0: Chapter four of the wide wide world. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Wide Wide World by Susan Warner. Chapter four. The Bitter Sweet of Life. When dinner was over and the table cleared away, the mother and daughter were left, as they always loved to be, alone. It was late in the afternoon and already somewhat dark, for clouds had gathered over the beautiful sky of the morning, and the wind, rising now and then, made its voice heard. Mrs. Montgomery was lying on the sofa, as usual, seemingly at ease, and Ellen was sitting on a little bench before the fire, very much at her ease, without any seeming about it. She smiled as she met her mother's eyes. "'You have made me very happy to-day, Mama.' "'I am glad of it, my dear child. I hoped I should. I believe the whole affair has given me as much pleasure, Ellen, as it has you.' There was a pause. Mamma, I will take the greatest possible care of my new treasures. I know you will. If I had doubted it, Ellen, most assuredly I should not have given them to you, sorry as I should have been to leave you without them. So you see you have not established a character for carefulness in vain. And mamma, I hope you have not given them to me in vain either. I will try to use them in the way that I know you wish me to. That will be the best way I can thank you. Well, I have left you no excuse, Ellen. You know fully what I wish you to do and to be, and when I am away I shall please myself with thinking that my little daughter is following her mother's wishes. I shall believe so, Ellen. You will not let me be disappointed. "'Oh, no, Mamma," said Ellen, who is now in her mother's arms. "'Well, my child,' said Mrs. Montgomery, in a lighter tone, "'my gifts will serve as reminders for you if you are ever tempted to forget my lessons. "'If you fail to send me letters, or if those you send are not what they ought to be—' I think the desk will cry shame upon you. And if you ever go an hour with a hole in your stocking, or a tear in your dress, or a string off your petticoat, I hope the sight of your work-box will make you blush. Work-box, mamma? Yes. Oh, I forgot. You've not seen that. No, mamma. What do you mean? Why, my dear, that was one of the things you most wanted. But I thought it best not to overwhelm you quite this morning. So while you were on an exploring expedition round the store, I chose and furnished one for you. "'Oh, mamma! Mamma said Ellen, getting up and clasping her hands. "'What shall I do? I don't know what to say. I can't say anything. Mamma, it's too much.' "'So it seemed, for Ellen sat down and began to cry. "'Her mother silently reached out a hand to her, "'which she squeezed and kissed with all the energy of gratitude, love, and sorrow, "'till, gently drawn by the same hand, "'she was placed again in her mother's arms and upon her bosom and in that tried resting-place she lay calmed and quieted till the shades of afternoon deepened into evening and evening into night and the light of the fire was all that was left to them though not a word had been spoken for a long time ellen was not asleep her eyes were fixed on the red glow of the coals in the grate and she was busily thinking but not of them many sober thoughts were passing through her little head and stirring her heart a few were of her new possessions and bright projects more of her mother. She was thinking how very, very precious was the heart she could feel beating where her cheek lay. She thought it was greater happiness to lie there than anything else in life could be. She thought she had rather even die so on her mother's breast than live long without her in the world. She felt that in earth or in heaven there was nothing so dear. Suddenly she broke the silence. Mama, what does that mean? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. "'It means just what it says. "'If you love anybody or anything better than Jesus Christ, "'you cannot be one of his children.' "'But then, Mamma said Ellen, raising her head, "'how can I be one of his children? "'I do love you a great deal better. "'How can I help it, Mamma? "'You cannot help it, I know, my dear,' said Mrs. Montgomery, with a sigh, "'except by his grace, who has promised to change the hearts of his people, "'to take away the heart of stone, and give them a heart of flesh.' BUT IS MINE A HEART OF STONE then, Mamma? BECAUSE I CANNOT HELP LOVING YOU BEST? NOT TO ME, DEAR ELLEN, REPLIED Mrs. MONTGOMERY, PRESSING CLOSER THE LITTLE FORM THAT LAY IN HER ARMS. I HAVE NEVER FOUND IT SO, BUT YET I KNOW THAT THE LORD JESUS IS FAR, FAR MORE WORTHY OF YOUR AFFECTION THAN I AM, AND IF YOUR HEART WERE NOT HARDENED BY SIN, YOU WOULD SEE HIM SO. IT IS ONLY BECAUSE YOU DO NOT KNOW HIM THAT YOU LOVE ME BETTER. PRAY, PRAY, MY DEAR CHILD that he would take away the power of sin and show you himself that is all that is wanting i will mamma said ellen tearfully oh mamma what shall i do without you alas mrs montgomery's heart echoed the question she had no answer mamma said ellen after a few minutes can i have no true love to him at all unless i love him best i dare not say that you can answered her mother seriously "'Mama,' said Ellen, after a little, again raising her head, and looking her mother full in the face, as if willing to apply the severest test to this hard doctrine, and speaking with an indescribable expression, "'Do you love him better than you do me?' She knew her mother loved the Saviour, but she thought it scarcely possible that herself could have but the second place in her heart. She ventured a bold question, to prove whether her mother's practice would not contradict her theory. But Mrs. Montgomery answered steadily. "'I do, my daughter,' and, with a gush of tears, Ellen sank her head again upon her bosom. She had no more to say. Her mouth was stopped for ever as to the right of the matter, though she still thought it an impossible duty in her own particular case. "'I do, indeed, my daughter,' repeated Mrs. Montgomery. "'That does not make my love to you the less, but the more, Ellen.' "'Oh, Mamma, Mamma," said Ellen, clinging to her, "'I wish you would teach me. I have only you, and I am going to lose you. "'What shall I do, Mamma?" With a voice that strove to be calm, Mrs. Montgomery answered, I love them that love me, and they that seek me early shall find me. And after a minute or two she added, He who says this has promised too, that he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. The words fell soothingly on Ellen's ear, and the slight tremor in the voice reminded her also that her mother must not be agitated. She checked herself instantly, and soon lay as before, quiet and still, on her mother's bosom, with her eyes fixed on the fire, and Mrs. Montgomery did not know that when she now and then pressed a kiss upon the forehead that lay so near her lips, it every time brought the water to Ellen's eyes, and a throb to her heart. But after some half or three-quarters of an hour had passed away, a sudden knock at the door found both mother and daughter asleep. It had to be repeated once or twice before the knocker could gain attention. "'What is that, mamma?" said Ellen, starting up somebody at the door open it quickly love ellen did so and found a man standing there with his arms rather full of sundry packages oh mamma my things cried ellen clapping her hands here they are the man placed his burden on the table and withdrew oh mamma i am so glad they are come now if i only had a light this is my desk i know for it's the largest and i think this is my dressing-box as well as i can tell by feeling yes it is here's the handle on top And this is my dear work-box, not so big as the desk, nor so little as the dressing-box. Oh, mamma, mayn't I ring for a light? There was no need, for a servant just then entered, bringing the wished-for candles and the not-wished-for tea. Ellen was capering about in the most fantastic style, but suddenly stopped short at sight of the tea-things, and looked very grave. Well, mamma, I'll tell you what I'll do, she said, after a pause of consideration. I'll make the tea first thing, before I untie a single knot. "'Won't that be best, Mamma? Because I know if I once begin to look, I shan't want to stop. Don't you think that is wise, Mamma? But alas, the fire had got very low. There was no making the tea quickly, and the toast was a work of time. And when all was over at length, it was then too late for Ellen to begin to undo packages. She struggled with impatience a minute or two, and then gave up the point very gracefully, and went to bed.' She had a fine opportunity the next day to make up for the evening's disappointment. It was cloudy and stormy, going out was not to be thought of, and it was very unlikely that anybody would come in. Ellen joyfully allotted the whole morning to the examination and trial of her new possessions, and as soon as breakfast was over and the room clear, she set about it. She first went through the desk and everything in it, making a running commentary on the excellence, fitness, and beauty of all it contained. Then the dressing-box received a share— but a much smaller share of attention. And lastly, with fingers trembling with eagerness, she untied the pack-thread that was wound round the work-box, and slowly took off cover after cover. She almost screamed when the last was removed. The box was of satin-wood, beautifully finished and lined with crimson silk, and Mrs. Montgomery had taken good care it should want nothing that Ellen might need to keep her clothes in perfect order. Oh, Mamma, how beautiful! Oh, Mamma, how good you are! mamma i promise you i'll never be a slattern here is more cotton than i can use up in a great while every number i do think and needles oh the needles what a parcel of them and mamma what lovely scissors did you choose it mamma or did it belong to the box i chose it i might have guessed it mamma it's just like you and here's a thimble fits me exactly and an emery bag how pretty and a bodkin this is a great nicer than yours mamma yours is decidedly the worst for wear. And what's this? Oh, to make eyelet holes with, I know. And, oh, mamma, here's almost everything, I think. Here are tapes and buttons and hooks and eyes and darning cotton and silk winders and pins and all sorts of things. What's this for, mamma? That's a scissors to cut buttonholes with. Try it on that piece of paper that lies by you, and you will see how it works." oh i see said ellen how very nice that is while i shall take great pains now to make my buttonholes very handsomely one survey of her riches could by no means satisfy ellen for some time she pleased herself with going over and over the contents of the box finding each time something new to like at length she closed it and keeping it still in her lap sat awhile looking thoughtfully into the fire till turning towards her mother she met her gaze fixed mournfully almost tearfully on herself the box was instantly shelved aside, and getting up and bursting into tears, Ellen went to her. "'Oh, dear mother,' she said, "'I wish they were all back in the store, if I could only keep you.' Mrs. Montgomery answered only by folding her to her heart. "'Is there no help for it, mamma? "'There is none. We know that all things shall work together for good to them that love God. "'Then it will all be good for you, mamma. "'But what will it be for me?' And Ellen sobbed bitterly. It will be all well, my precious child. I doubt not. I do not doubt it, Ellen. Do you not doubt it either, love? But from the hand that wounds, seek the healing. He wounds that he may heal. He does not afflict willingly. Perhaps he sees, Ellen, that you would never seek him while you had me to cling to. Ellen clung to her at that moment, yet not more than her mother clung to her. How happy we were, Mama, only a year ago, even a month. "'We have no continuing city here,' answered her mother, with a sigh. "'But there is a home, Ellen, where changes do not come, "'and they that are once gathered there are parted no more for ever, "'and all tears are wiped from their eyes. "'I believe I am going fast to that home, "'and now my greatest concern is that my little Ellen, "'my precious baby, may follow me and come there too.' No more was said, nor could be said, till the sound of the doctor's steps upon the stair obliged each of them to assume an appearance of composure as speedily as possible. But they could not succeed perfectly enough to blind him. He did not seem very well satisfied, and told Ellen he believed he should have to get another nurse. He was afraid she didn't obey orders. While the doctor was there, Ellen's Bible was brought in, and no sooner was he gone than it underwent as thorough an examination as the boxes had received ellen went over every part of it with the same great care and satisfaction but mixed with a different feeling the words that caught her eye as she turned over the leaves seemed to echo what her mother had been saying to her it began to grow dear already after a little she rose and brought it to the sofa are you satisfied with it ellen oh yes mamma it is perfectly beautiful outside and inside now mamma will you please write my name in this precious book my name and anything else you please mother I'll bring you my new pen to write it with, and I've got ink here, shall I? She brought it, and Mrs. Montgomery wrote Ellen's name and the date of the gift. The pen played a moment in her fingers, and then she wrote below the date. I love them that love me, and they that seek me early shall find me. This was for Ellen, but the next words were not for her. What made her write them? I will be a god to thee, and to thy seed after thee. They were written almost unconsciously and as, if bowed by an unseen force, Mrs. Montgomery's head sank upon the open page, and her whole soul went up with her petition. Let these words be my memorial, that I have trusted in thee, and, O, when these miserable lips are silent for ever, remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope, and be unto my little one all thou hast been to me. Unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens." She raised her face from the book, closed it, and gave it silently to Ellen. Ellen had noticed her action, but had no suspicion of the cause. She supposed that one of her mother's frequent feelings of weakness or sickness had made her lean her head upon the Bible, and she thought no more about it. However, Ellen felt that she wanted no more of her boxes that day. She took her old place by the side of her mother's sofa, with her head upon her mother's hand, and an expression of quiet sorrow in her face that it had not worn for several days. End of chapter 4